Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Make it kind. Make it kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Make it kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, a very special guest in studio. Happy to have her here with us. Uh, she is Kim Ortiz, better known as Cop Watch Kimmy. Um, she has organized thousands of marches and actions against police brutality. She's been featured on BET's Cop Watch. America, Netflix's Cop Watchers, the film Not In My Neighborhood. Uh, she's been an activist on the ground and on the street. She was just saying to me she's getting better at interviews because she's mostly a foot soldier, but I think she, she'll she do just fine. I know she will, and we appreciate her freedom fighting and foot soldiering. Cop Watch Kimmy is here on Make It Claim. What's up, sis? Hey, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Well, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, how's it going? It's going. It's yeah. going in these times, man. Yeah. It's You're going. Still out here in these streets fighting. Absolutely, and there's definitely still a fight to be fought. So we're gonna be out there. So, I want to start this way since we're in the middle of this presidential race. Bloomberg has dropped out, mm -hmm. uh, which is good. Yeah. For those, for those of us in New York, we know him, but a lot of people around the country didn't, and I always felt as if once people got to know really about him, that wasn't gonna work know how even it was some black folk around the country oh he's got the money he can beat trump i said yeah but you got what is this this is march until november for folk to get educated about stopping frisk and black folk in the end they're gonna stay home they're not gonna vote for that right. when you agree i absolutely agree and um especially new yorkers um we we as soon as we found out that he was um running immediately khalif browder came to mind just that whole time period where stop and frisk and broken windows ran rampant came to mind, and it's terrifying. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah. dropped out. So let's. So, but let, I think we should take this opportunity because a lot of people listening around the country uh, who are New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Khalif Browder, right? Um, this this was someone who was a victim of stop and frisk policy, correct? Yes. And was was held indefinitely 
in solitary, uh, which is a whole nother issue, but until he committed suicide, correct? So um, Khalif Browder, there was a situation where a backpack was stolen um, and Khalif Browder um, and a group of friends were stopped because they fit the description, quote, end quote. And um, Khalif ended up being arrested for, I believe, a close a total of three years. Mm -hmm. um, most of that time was in solitary. A video leaked of Khalif being um, beat up by both um, inmates and COs. And um, soon after the video leaked, he was released. But um, the damage was done. You know, Khalif Browder went through a lot in there. And um, that was very apparent because he committed suicide not long after being released from Rikers. Um, and, and it also spoke to the issue of solitary anyway, why that too. And bail. And bail. All of that. Absolutely. You are an abolitionist. A hundred percent. So some people don't know what that is. People don't think of it that during Black History Month and ending slavery. But ex educate our listeners on what it means to be an abolitionist in 2020. So um, my abolition um, looks like strong communities. For me, I don't believe that the system that we have in place um, is going to sustain, liberate, or uplift black, brown, and indigenous folks in this country. It, didn't, it wasn't built for that. So for me, we need a completely new system. It doesn't matter who's in, we were talking about this earlier, um, it doesn't matter to me who's in office. Right. Ultimately, I'm going to have to protest all of them. Yeah. And, um, and it's just because the system that's in place currently does not benefit the people that it needs to benefit, and that's who I fight for. So my abolition is basically me just building within my community, organizing within my community, making sure that if people are hungry in my community, we're the ones feeding them because waiting on food stamps hasn't helped us. Mm -hmm. Waiting on the government hasn't helped us. Mm -hmm. Waiting on the right president hasn't helped us. So for me, being an abolitionist just means taking what I need to see changed into my own hands and trying to make that happen. And, and that means inclusive within that overhauling what we consider to be the current criminal justice system, the whole system of, of jail, detention, prison system. Prison system. For sure. Um, I believe that all of that has to be abolished. We, we don't work within a system that um, aims to rehabilitate or um, create or help sustain individuals who can thrive. You know, we're, this is very much a punishment-based system, and it's a mm -hmm. racist punishment-based system. Yeah, yeah. It isn't even fair yeah. or just. Yeah. Um, I, I know probably about 20 years ago when you said abolitionist, most people only applied it to the death penalty. You know, that was his own movement. But I'm, I'm glad now, and largely because of sisters like you, people like you, that people now see abolitionism or abolition as a much broader thing in terms of the whole criminal justice. And a lot of these candidates talk about that. Oh, criminal justice system. But you're right, we have to go a step further than just reform. Right. We've been talking reform. Um, I, I don't have another 400 years. My children mm. don't have another 10 years. You mm. know, my son is 13 now. My oldest is 13 now. So um, reform is the Band-Aid to a bleeding gash that we know needs staples. And it's like we're done with that. We, we can't afford to continue to bleed out anymore. So reform is off the table for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel as though the abolition movement is, is making progress? Have you seen any gains? Absolutely. Okay. 
we've had, you know, um, bail reform, you know, and that's a very big step towards abolition because that was something that wasn't attainable, you know, and even now there, it, it's very much in jeopardy. The, the, the new bail reform law that just passed is very much in jeopardy. This is the one in New York. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's very much in jeopardy and it's yeah. still a, a long battle because we need to abolish bail um, and the way that we currently have a bail system. But um, it's definitely a step in the right direction. So there's definitely strides that we have um, made. There are more survival programs popping up. I'm not even talking about legislative because, again, I can't base my success on this system that doesn't give a damn about me. I can base my success on how many of other groups I see popping up, how many other youths I see doing walkouts in school, how many other people I see interested in learning how to, you know, know your rights or wanting to patrol their neighborhoods for cop watch. That to me means that like abolition, the fire's catching. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Is that folks understand that we can't continue the way that we're going now and that something needs to seriously change. So the, the bail reform law in New York, how far did that go in terms of, of getting rid of bail? So right now, um, it it doesn't have the teeth that it needs, you know, okay. um, and and that's with most laws, which is why I am the way I am with laws. But um, it is basically you can't hold someone who's like not a nonviolent um crime. So if someone's arrested for a nonviolent crime, they don't they won't be held on bail. Okay. Um, that's you know now we have that's being flipped, you know. Um, there have been cases where folks are saying, okay, well, we let this person out, and then they went to do X, Y, and Z, not counting the the opposite. You know, um, we have this many people who are now free and not rotting in a jail cell mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. something so minor that a white person wouldn't have even gotten charged with. Let's charged be with real. That. Right, right. Th th but I, it wasn't it recently, too, though, there were a few incidents, and some folk in the in the conservatives in the community started to push back on bail reform and say, ah, this is bail reform's fault. There's some people out here committing some of these crimes, and that's just not true. We have folks, and I like to call them the black-on-black -black crime folks. Right. You know, so anything that we do, they're going to take the one case where it's a negative because in any situation, let's be real, there's going to be a negative. Mm -hmm. Even if I get what I want, there's still going to be people out there that are going to do wrong and are gonna, because that's just, you know, that's the way it is. Wherever there's poverty, there's going to be crime. And you have to take that into consideration when we're reporting, oh, well, look what bail reform did because you took that, that um, incident from that neighborhood, right? Let's go to over to 86th Street and Central Park West. I assure you there's the same type of incident yeah, in that neighborhood, yeah. but we're not talking about it because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that doesn't benefit the conservative yeah. to push that narrative, right? Right. Black-on-black right. black crime has always been a trope that's been used as if there's no such thing as white-on-white white crime. Or, it's a or, proximity or thing, yeah, you know, like yeah. people commit crimes with who they're close to. That's right. And That's wherever right. there's crime, there's going to be poverty. And if mm -hmm. you keep a certain type of person in poverty, there's going to be more crime there, mm -hmm. you know, and that's mm -hmm. just. So the key is also ultimately getting rid of poverty. Absolutely. If you really want to stop crime. Right. Let's think about where you feel the most safe, right? Mm -hmm. I personally don't feel the most safe when I'm in an a neighborhood where there's a lot of police, I feel less safe. Right. The neighborhoods right. where I typically feel safe have less police, more community centers, more, you know, activities, more opportunities going down. So shoving more police down certain people's throats is definitely not going to make it more safe. And, and it creates a, a greater feeling of occupation. For sure. I would think, too, 
it it in, induces more of an economic decline as well. Because if, if you and I are black, we live in a nice neighborhood, but there's all these cops. Can't do nothing with that. No. Um, it's demoralizing. Uh, now, Bloomberg admitted that that's what they were doing. They were putting cops in black neighborhoods. The black-on-black crime folk would say that, you know, the city's safer now. But Cop Watch came in, it doesn't make any sense to me because we now know 90, 90% of the people they, they arrested weren't guilty of anything. No. So what criminals were they actually stopping and brought to crime? Something else must have brought it down. On his own or whatever, but it wasn't because they were locking up people who hadn't committed crimes. The stat was for every thousand people that they stopped and they frisked, they maybe got one gun off the street and left 999 people traumatized by the NYPD. So they Mm. felt that was worth that. They felt that was worth it, and they wanted to shove Bloomberg down our throats as if we have amnesia. Yeah, yeah. Well, they know we don't. I think they just thought folks people wouldn't listen to us and. (laughs) <laughs> in New York. Silly rabbits. Yeah, and, and would ignore what our concerns were. But again, eventually, it would um, it would get out. I mean, literally thousands of people. I mean, almost like numbers similar to enslavement. <laughs> really, when you get into the five and 600,000 people, I mean, that's like you talking about approaching slavery numbers. Very common for me was me coming home from work or me coming home from school and passing by three or four folks getting stopped and frisked. That was super common. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that was something that was just like, oh, here they go again, here they go again, keep your head down, keep walking. Yeah, yeah. When, um, when did you become conscious? And when, what, what incident in your life made you that way? I'm a do diallo. Mm. I was very young. And um, I remember that there was a gentleman in the neighborhood. I lived in Harlem. And um, he decided he was going to get a bunch of the, the youth and everyone from the neighborhood. And we were going to make signs and we were going to go protest. And just the vibe, the energy, and the passion that I saw from one of the speakers there, um, that I was activated immediately after that. And I started like helping um, in my school. We started doing more of like... I got really conscious about race at that time um, because when I went to this protest, there was a counter protest. And um, a lot of the language being used there and a lot of the um, narratives that I was being tossed at me at that time were very hurtful and confusing. And I think that was when I was introduced to this black and white um, fairness, equality. Some folks get justice, some folks don't. It was right in my face at that time. Um, something went down at the process, and I very and I saw the police arrest the victim. Mm. Um, and for me, that just a, a switch flipped for me, and um, mm. continued to organize throughout schools. You know, whether it was fake sales to go and take the money to the shelters, or you know, making sure that we went to the women's shelters and gave them clothes. We just started activating and organizing since then, and then Trayvon Martin happened, mm. and we lost our fucking minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say is the state of, particularly the Black Lives Matter movement now? I mean, I know it was very, very popular. Um, and I know for those who are still active in it, it's it's still meaningful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we live in such a consumer society. What's the latest trend on Twitter? Right. But where would you say things are with that movement? Um, I would say that the Black Lives Matter movement Black Lives Matter work 
is still very much active, alive, and happening. Good. And um, they are very, you know, especially in New York, the groups are super strong. We're still getting together. We're still working together. And we're still making sure that our communities have what, what they need. And if they don't, we're making sure that we're linking together to figure out how to get those resources. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, for instance, we're doing a Black Mamas bailout. Yes. Um, for, you know, for Mother's Day. Very important, yeah. We, um, we're going to raise as much funds as we can um, to bail out as many black mamas as we can before Mother's Day. And we're hoping this, that... You've done, you've done that for the past few years. It's not... So, no, we're working with, we're hoping to work with National Bailout, and if we don't, we're going to do it on our own okay, anyway. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And um, we have definitely, in our pool of, in our network, we definitely have the resources and the knowledge of how to, you know, go about it. I'm hoping to make it big. I'm hoping to work with National Bailout, because um, they do the, the annual um, Mother's Day bailout as well. And we're hoping to make this not just a New York thing yeah. and not just a Mother's Day thing. Right. We're right, hoping right. to, like, maybe take the state to state to do this as many places as we can. We also have our Feed the People, FTP, survival program where for two years in East Harlem, the last Monday of every month we go out and we serve hot food, you know, clean clothes, political education, and, you know, it's just a good time. Come vibe with us. Come hang with us. It's the last Monday of every month on 115th Street between 115th and 116th and Lexington Avenue. And then up in the Bronx, the third Saturday of every month, coming up on a year now, um, at Hunts Point Plaza, we have our Feed the People Bronx, where it's the same but just a Bronx vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what's up. <laughs> um, you've also uh, done uh, some work around ICE as well. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you're fighting this on all fronts. Tell, tell us about that. So when you step back and you realize that ultimately our struggles are connected mm -hmm. and um, we have a saying is la migra, la policia, la misma porqueria. And it means, you know, ICE and my, or ICE and the police are the same shit mm. pretty much. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, we very much um, believe in the liberation of all oppressed peoples. So that means that we have to link up with our, brown folks and our and our indigenous folks and everyone else that's in the struggle because ultimately our freedoms are tied together. So we definitely patrol when we do cop watch patrol or we patrol the neighborhood, ICE, that means ICE, that means parole officers, yeah. that means that, you know, we're looking out for anybody who may be um harassed by any type of law enforcement. Yeah, the whole and system. Yeah. So right. tomorrow there's um there's an action on 139th and Willis. Um, at 5 p.m. because there's been um, ICE agents in the Bronx. You know, a couple nights ago, they were um, knocking down doors by Willis Avenue, asking folks to open up the doors, you know, because they were looking for people. Luckily, no one opened the door because they're, you know, this is a sanctuary city, so they would have no warrant or no right to, to go in, but no one opened the door. But had they, they would have been dragged out by ICE. So mm -hmm. we're going to be highlighting that tomorrow in an action up in the Bronx. That's great. And That's this great. is led by Take Back the Bronx, very, very close ally group that we work with. Right, right. Um, um, also, I know you've been, you stood in solidarity with Standing Rock Absolutely. as well, that community. I mean, you wherever there is injustice, you're there. Yeah, we raised about $5,000, and we um, rented a van, and we drove uh, supplies, money, and, and, and just we provided our labor over at Standing Rock, whatever they needed. We built some teepees. Yeah. We went food shopping. Yeah, so again, um, we're there because we understand that it's Standing Rock today 
the mm. Bronx tomorrow. Mm. You know, it's it so it's it's very much tied together. Yeah, yeah. Um what advice I mean somewhere out there there are young people like you or who are just getting introduced. You were introduced when you were younger, but young people like like you are and you were. Um what advice would you give to them in terms of immersing themselves in activism and struggle the way you have? There's, I feel like there's a fight for everybody and there's a way for everybody to get involved. If it's not, a, if it's not in the streets, you know, you can, you can help out from the house. You can help out in your hood. If, if you can't go out to protest, watch them babies while the mamas go. Mm. You know, child care is important mm -hmm. and that's super mm -hmm. revolutionary. Mm. You know, and if you know, if what you can do is you could braise some hair, Help me c come out to feed the people. Help us braid some hair so folks can go on interviews and get their hair done. You know, there's, wow. uh, there's so much that you can do to be revolutionary and help your people. And it doesn't have to be this super scary, confrontational thing. It can start with, hey, I'm braiding hair Thursdays at my house. If you want to get your hair braided for free, come over. That's abolition. It's, and speaking of braiding hair, I mean, we need women. We need sisters involved in active struggle as much as the brothers, don't we? That's what I'm saying. Like childcare <laughs> is revolutionary. A lot of people, and you know, I just I have a two year old at home. Um, we miss out on a lot because we have we have to be with the babies. You know what I mean? But um, there are people again that they can. That's their thing. You love being around the babies. Mama's got to be in the fight too. Mm -hmm. We fighting for these babies that we pushing out. You know, right, right. and for the ones to come. So you know, yeah, we need the mamas out there. We need everybody out there, and. and Sisters, black women will always be the leaders of, of the movement. And um, it's a shame that um, for so long that hasn't been supported. Yeah. But I see a shift. I definitely see a shift. You do? I do. How so? What, what do you mean? I see more. Um, I see our, our brothers stepping up more. And um, like the narrative isn't so much as, oh, we need to protect. Like, it's like, nah, give them, give, you know, people the space to step up for themselves, mm -hmm. but also still be there and support. Right. Um, patriarchy is going to be a very, very tough, tough battle. Um, but I see strides, and I see that um, people are talking about it more now. Mm -hmm. Men are talking about it more now. Mm -hmm. Black men are talking about it more now. And um, that in itself is revolutionary. And I want to really quickly also talk about mental health. Mm. Like, you know, um, the fact that we're more open now and to see black men open and, and being vulnerable and talking about mental health, I believe is so therapeutic and more meaningful than almost anything yeah, out there. Yeah. And, and it's very important that we recognize that um, as black, brown, and indigenous people in this country, we suffer from PTSD. There's mm -hmm. no way that you go through what we go through and you learn what we learn and doesn't affect you. That does yeah. not happen. So yeah, I yeah. just want to um, acknowledge and shout out to the folks that are doing um, work around black mental health. There, there's still more people need to acknowledge it. You know, and I say to people all the time, you, you got to start with acknowledging the PTSD. Absolutely. You know, some, still too many of us are too proud and too important. I, I'm good. No. You have PTSD. Yes. We all have yes. PTSD. You, you, yeah, yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Yes. Right, right. Yes. So, you know, let's not be in denial about that. And the sooner we can, I, I'm, I ain't got no PTSD. Yes, you do. You do. Yes, you do. And uh, it manifests in so many ways um, that we need to deal with, and 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 obviously a lot more need to do it. You know, also for those listening, and and you, you know, coming to your own awareness and knowledge. I mean, you, you, you this isn't taught in school. No. 
this this type of you know and I, and I see I see a lot of our ancestors in you that I have had, had a chance to meet know over the years. So I want to ask you who are there any ancestors that inspire you? Are there any people that you study and even read to kind of educate yourself on being the kind of revolutionary that you are? So um, I'm very Black Panther heavy and very mm. Young Lords heavy. Mm. And um, also, I'm going to take it back. Um, a lot of people don't know about Mama Tango in the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. She was this um, Afro-Dominican woman who led a lot of people to freedom, yeah, violently, but um, it had to be done. Um, I look at people in my life now too, like um, Shalene Rodriguez from Take Back the Bronx, um, Shannon Elaine from Why Accountability. I'm very grateful and lucky to be around some really revolutionary, badass people, women mm. in particular. Mm. But um, Asada Shakur holds a very special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Um, I, I guess, too, again, part of the challenge is for people to really have the courage to do some of the things that you do and others you mentioned do. We're kind of trained, though, to take a certain path in life and get graduated from high school and go to college and get a job and, and don't rock the boat. Um, and for some of us, we think that that is actually the thing to do and that makes us okay and maybe even makes us more uh, appealing or attractive. But I think you can make the case that, you know, that's not necessarily true. You know, we, you can even be a better person, a more whole person, when you stand up for others, can't you? Absolutely. Um, I feel like this, the boat's going to sink anyway. Mm. Flip that bitch over. For real. For real. You know, and, um, and while you at it, you could actually save some people. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think the days of complacency, and I think everybody feels it at this point, are long gone. Um, even the youth, I, I'm very inspired by our youth right now. Okay. Um, complacency okay. equals death. So, um, and I think that the more people that understand that, the more people that will survive. You know, like I was telling you earlier, there's people that are not going to survive another four years of Trump. There are very, very sick people that are not going to survive another four years of anyone unless we seriously seriously get up and fight. So complacency equals death. And I'm, I'm very much not about to die out here. Yeah, no, clearly you are. Um, and as you said earlier, you're going to protest whoever the president is. Whoever. So, you know, and I remind people that, too. I mean, if we really understand and read our history, um, that's really where Dr. King was before he was killed. You know, now... And can I just jump in there that he was killed in a suit? Right. Thank That's you. right. He was, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. That's right. So that don't make a difference. Right. Um, but today, our movement, if we look at it collectively, reacts to what the White House or others are doing or what the government is doing. When he was alive, the government and White House reacted to him. That's what we need to get back to, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Y'all should see her expression on her face. She's feeling that. <laughs> um, so we have to get back to that. And if and if and part of that is realizing that you're right, no matter who, like some folks I know, uh, they're not even going to survive the election. They're so stressed out about Trump. And I remind them, well, you know, if Dr. King was alive, it really wouldn't even matter. Because we got to go and get by the neck whoever it is. Right. 
you know, and assume that just we just think, well, this if it's a Democrat, that's just going to be automatically okay. Well, I mean, it might be a Band-Aid. You might be able to exhale a little bit. But still, what president has done everything we've asked him to do? Not one. So we still have to continue to fight. And I also say to people, you know, um, you know how folks go to a restaurant and they order something and then the server don't get it right and you have to make them do it the right way? These leaders in this government are the same thing. They are serve. They're supposed to be serving us. So you have to make them do it. It's not like sitting at a restaurant table, but it's like doing what you're doing, being out in the street. Yep. And at least the waitresses are a little more honest. <laughs> right, 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 right. And might even say, I'm sorry, and I messed up. Um, but that's what we need to get done. I agree. Yeah. And that's why I will continue to activate, motivate, and be out there, regardless of who wins. And just rev up, because I strongly believe we're in for another four years of Trump. So y'all hear that now. Uh those of you who are just totally stressing, yeah, you got to understand. Gear up. You got just get because it's gonna be a fight. If you have that, if you're out here fighting, anyway, gear up. You prepare for whatever. I am. I am. Yeah, you are doing great and incredible work um, on the ground. Thank you. How can people who are listening support you or join up with you, whatever? So, um. The groups that I'm with are NYC Shut It Down and Cop Watch Patrol Unit. Um, you can find us on social media. Again, we have Feed the People twice a month, and um, we're definitely going to be doing the Mother's Day bailout. So if you follow us on social media, we can keep you up to date on all of those things that are coming up. Yeah, okay, okay, outstanding. Thank you Thank for coming you. in and talk to us. Keep up the great work you're doing. Any way we can be supportive, or I personally can be supportive, you know, because uh, I don't like staying behind this mic. I like to get out in the in the street too. Everybody knows that. I, I, sometimes I feel confined. So listen, you can do so me. much good from right behind this mic. So like, I'm not even on it like that. Like a younger me would have been like, get on the street. No, you could do a lot from right here where you at. But yeah, I will definitely let you know when we need some boots on the ground. Yeah, because we gonna need some. No, I'm all about that. Seriously, Copwatch Kimmy. Uh, a Twitter handle Copwatch K. Yep, Copwatch at- Kimmy, and um, Instagram at Copwatch Kimmy. Cool, cool. All right, sister. Thank, Thank you, Queen. you so much. Good to see you. It's Cop Watch Kimmy, y'all. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to Make It Plain and Get Woke daily. Check out makeitplain.com to subscribe. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.